Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 245 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this particular episode, we have got uh, the head of health and safety, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. Who the hell let you back in? <laughs> yeah, you thought you could keep me out by changing the locks on the sidewire, didn't you? It didn't work. I thought last I, I came... heard we spaced you. <laughs> I came back in through the waste disposal system. Smell. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a scene from uh, from from Shawshank Redemption, but in reverse. <laughs> uh, we also have the wonderful uh, Phoenix Defire, aka Colin Ford. Hello, Fossa. Welcome back. Welcome to the bar. We have a bar now. I know it's awesome. Uh, only so, only sort of serving Lavian brandy, though, by the looks of things. Which would explain half this crew, wouldn't it? <laughs> we have uh, Commander Sovereign. Hello there. Hello. And we also have. Uh, I take it Commander Ventura is the silent partner, pressing all the buttons in the back. Is he? Yes. He is indeed. A silent, a silent tech monkey. God, things have changed around here. It looks all very professional these days. <laughs> well, don't look. We've got a guest. We, we, we've got a guest on the show, so don't you know? Don't give away the mystery. Don't you know? At least we can pretend to be professionals around here. Nah, don't bother. <laughs> well, on that note, let's invite our guest. It is the wonderful Doctor Kai from Distant Worlds. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone, and hello you. It's uh, it's great to have you on the show. So uh, before we get sure. into the actual show itself, let's find out what everybody's been up to this week in and out of games. Starting with you, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. Uh, so out of game, I'm I'm actually lurgifying locked up a bit. Uh, my nose is kind of running a marathon. And is I yeah, and I'm basically sitting. I've got tissues shoved up my nose at the moment and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, this is radio, so you can't see that. And if I hadn't said anything, you wouldn't have known about it. No, but you did cut in, for me anyway, quite badly. And all I got there was lurg and tissues and stuck up my nose, which... Um, that's all you needed, really. Went that's, yeah, really yeah that's about all you need. Um, <laughs> In-game, I've been, I guess, lurking around Beagle Point, do, um, jumping away from Beagle Point, and then I've been having a quick look at the... Guardian and Zender stuff on the alt account as well. Okay, cool. Uh, Colin, I believe you've been doing some Guardian work based on the show notes. Oh, God, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I've been doing a lot of Guardian stuff. Uh, I came back last week uh, mostly because of uh, I'd managed to fill my mats with uh, all the Guardian stuff I needed. Came back to Shinatra Zezra and got quite a lot. And I'm now heading out again for the second lot. Ah. So, yes. And are you are you on the megabus or are you going this under your own power? Oh, I'm going under my own power. The, I mean, the the Darobrian space megabus <laughs> doesn't. Uh, it it uh, I, I can't seem to catch the the right time. <laughs> How can you possibly miss it? it only goes twice a week. <laughs> yeah, because uh, for some reason I'm I'm busy doing other things and then oh, I'll forget. You know. No, fair enough. I must admit, I obviously haven't been uh, hosting the show, but I have been listening, and uh, the, uh, the the in the in depth discussion about the Megabus has been uh, has been making me laugh my ass off for the last three weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm shocked and appalled to hear that you're not taking up this fantastic service that we've been offered. Well, I might use it to get back at some point, but um, <laughs> at the moment, it's just 
it takes what 40, 40 minutes to get out there it's not a major deal okay i, I just had images of you uh, getting drunk on all the guardian stuff and using it as a, an equivalent to the night bus to get back home <laughs> i haven't been on the night bus for almost 20 years it scares oh. me <laughs> What um, what have you been doing uh, out of game then, sir? Oh, um, basically existing. I think I think that's the best thing to to, to say. Really. Purely just surviving. Yeah, effectively. No, no, I can uh, I can get on board with that. Um, Serene, what have you been doing in and out of game, sir? Uh, so I had a weekend in the countryside um, this nice. last uh, couple of days, which was lovely. Whereabouts? Um, uh, in Lincolnshire, so um, ah, my neck of the woods. Really? Uh, yeah, that's where my mum lives. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, my... so, what exactly have you been doing with Doctor Kai's mum? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my mum as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's weird. I'm um, my dad's near Spalding, and my mum's near Boston. Is that? Ah, uh, okay. So... Yeah, we live in. She lives in Spalding. That's mental. Sutton St. James. I'm not going to get more specific than that. but yeah. That is very, very close. You don't need to. He already knows where your mum lives. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, maybe because if we t- intend to meet up, but let's discuss it off the radio if possible. <laughs> yes, off, off air. Yeah. Look, look at these beautiful friendships blossoming uh, oh, right in front of your ears. Excellent. Anyway, so you had um, a lovely time out in the, uh, in, the, um, in, the, in the wilds of Lincolnshire. What else have you been up to? Uh, and then um, in-game, I've been um, scampering around the Sinu-FA sector doing the Guardian gubbins, which I wasn't actually going to do, but a friend of mine was out there um, and he kept hassling me. And I, 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 um, I didn't plan to get on the, the Megabus before it <laughs> left. And then um, when, the ser- when, it didn't, um, when it didn't depart with the server tick last week, um, I thought, oh, now's my chance. I've been given a... Um, I've been serendipitously given a second bite at the cherry. So I raced across the bubble to hop onto the Megabus. Um, got within a light second of the instance in which the Megabus was. And then, and then the server, and then the servers <laughs> went down and I got booted back to the main menu. So I, missed, I, I, missed, oh, I, I managed to miss the Megabus twice, which is really quite annoying. <laughs> oh dear, I and can't then, believe um, you've done the Elite Dangerous version of running down the street with your hand waving frantically at the bus as it pulls yeah, out exactly, in front of you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ig- an ignoble moment. Um, and, and then I jumped out there. And bad with the Megabus. Jeez. <laughs> So I jumped out there manually uh, like a lemon, and I've just been um, swimming in Guardian materials for the last uh, for the last couple of days. So it's been quite fun, really. Cool. So I now got this mental image of David Braven driving the Megabus, seeing you in his uh, in his rearview mirror, grinning ma- maliciously, and then putting his foot down to pull away from you. <laughs> or in his yellow uniform and yellow cap. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, quality. Um, Dr. Kai, what have you been up to? Um, Where? When? Out of game? Either or, sir. Whatever tickles your fancy. Well, technically I don't exist out of game, so... um, I'll have to go stick with in-game then. No, out of game I have been working, and um, when I'm not working I'm doing Distant Worlds, wrapping up admin. Ah, what exactly... I was going to say, what exactly is uh, what exactly does uh, wrapping up admin consist of? Well, right now my main job is sending out all those decor keys, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, and as well as dealing with the mug club stuff, the mug orders. Um, 
and doing interviews on radio stations, as you can imagine. And, and obviously, uh, we know exactly which one is the most important with all these tasks. That you <laughs> <laughs> We're the one who keeps blowing off because he's asleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry oh, yeah. I, I turned you down so many times, but I just feel so exhausted. I really wouldn't um, worry about it, Doctor Kai. We are quite used to being turned down. It's it's yeah, it's just part of the course. It's yeah, it's where it's where we stem from. We used to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank God, you said we weren't used to being blown off. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that one in before Ben did. <laughs> That's not why I'm here. Right. <laughs> let's just yeah let's just nip that in the bud shall we um what have i been doing in game obviously i have been out of game for a long long time but i came back about uh, probably about a fortnight ago um and i must admit that before i left i was doing some lovely uh void opal mining stuff and uh, i came back into game and, and picked up where i left off pretty much uh i was surprised at the the pricing hadn't been nerfed, uh, and there's still some really decent prices out there for for doing some mining. So, I've changed my mining ship to um, uh, to a Imperial Clipper, which I, is a ship I haven't actually flown before, and uh, it makes a superb mining ship. It's now the uh, it's been christened the the Opal Fruit, which I thought was quite uh, quite creative for me. Um, and yeah, I've been doing that it's in the uh, the Hermitage region, which uh, is quite close to uh, to a cell point. So I've been enjoying that, completely oblivious to anything that goes on as far as Thargoids or, or Guardians are concerned. Um, so, but overall, uh, quite enjoying it. And out of game, I have uh, just taken delivery today of a brand new Oculus Rift S, and I have not really had a chance Ooh. to play much of it. But uh, what I have. Uh, well, I have played, and I have to say the setup, obviously, because the uh, the nice thing about the Oculus Rift S is it hasn't got the um, uh, the sensors attached to it. Uh, I had a three-sensor setup with my Oculus Rift before this, uh, and the fact that you can literally just plug the headsets, one one connection into the display port and one connection into uh, a USB 3 port, and you're, you're, you're set up and you're good to go, and all the calibration is done in the uh, the headset. It's uh, it's been really nice, and there's a slight bump in the resolution from the uh, from the old Oculus Rift. And it's a bit disappointing how slight it is, though. But, it um, is, but at the same time, it's what are the it's lenses not... like? Yeah, the lenses are great. Oh, yeah, the lenses are the same one that they used on the. Uh, is it the Quest they had before, um, which are an update in the the lenses? But the small bump in resolution is enough to make uh, text really nice and sharp, which was my biggest criticism of the uh, the old Rift. It's the fact that I used to get headaches by not being able to uh, see the text clearly enough. That and the fact that. Uh, you, uh, you you struggle to wear glasses, whereas the Oculus Rift S is really quite nice uh, with glasses. They've changed the, the headset design into a, a Halo-type um, headset mount, which really works well if you're wearing glasses. Um, but yeah, the only thing I haven't tried um, is uh, I haven't tried Elite Dangerous with it yet. So if anybody's hanging around for the after show, I think I will definitely be putting it on and, uh, and I'll, stream, I'll stream what it's like and... Uh, yeah, and see whether or not I can actually read all the text and see whether or not I can actually spot a, uh, a void opal <laughs> asteroid. Can I ask uh, you a quick question? Yeah, go for it. Did you... Your ship name is very clever, by the way. Say again? Your ship name is very clever. Thank you. Way. Yeah, I didn't think Starburst. I got Starburst. Yeah. No, not Starburst. Opal fruit. <laughs> I know, but... but... <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, a hint. Anyway, also, um, I think I think he's making an implication of your age, Fuzzer, which is great coming from me. I was going to say, Granddad. I mean, yeah, absolutely, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I'm a granddad. I'm in real trouble right now. Someone's not telling me something. Uh, but no. So as I say, if you uh, if anybody is hanging around for the uh, for the after show party, then uh, then I'll I'll have a look and uh, see what it's like with uh, with Elite Dangerous. And see how it uh, streams across. Um, I'm getting the Valve Index, so whenever uh, I get that, I'll do some streams as well. Shut up. Why? <laughs> They're the same price, aren't they? Oh, no. Absolutely, they are not the same price or the oh. same resolution. The uh, the Valve Index is uh, the creme de la creme when it comes to these things. So, yeah. No, it's I, not better I than the Vive Pro. Is it? Because I thought, I thought it was sort of the next step up from the Vive Pro. No, it's not. It's the same resolution, but apparently... They're trying to sell it based on the quality of the the lenses and the optics, using LCD screen and things yeah. like that. It's supposed to have better FOV. I, I I'm a bit dubious, but when it comes, I might just completely change my mind. So we'll see. Well, no, I definitely want to watch the watch you stream that because uh, yeah, that was just a little bit too rich for uh, for the amount of uh, VR stuff that I actually do. But uh... oh right, no, I've already got the sensors. That's why it's a lot cheaper than it would be for you if you don't have the sensors. So ah, so how much is it? Without the sensors, it's something yeah. like 400 quid. Ah, in which case, no, it's exactly the same price. Uh, as the, uh, something like that. Yeah, um, so it's pretty much yeah, on par with the, uh, with the Rift S then. Right. Hmm. But yeah, with the sensors, it's like 1,000 because you also need the controllers and it's crazy. Thankfully, I don't have to pay that. Severine, <laughs> what do you want to say? Um, I just want to ask, James, why are you buying the, the Valve Index if you've already got the Vive Pro? Um, because I want to compare it, and if I, I'll sell whichever one I don't want anymore. Ah, uh, interesting. I see. Because I, 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 I could have sworn you said that last time I spoke to you that you'd only had the Vive Pro for a little while. Um, I've had it for a year now. Oh, fair enough. Okay. But it may last year. Hmm. So, interesting to hear what you've, what, um, how you find they compare. Yeah, I know, because the Valve Index, uh, as I said, is an LCD screen, and it's supposedly got better FOV. But I've modified my Vive Pro so that the lenses literally touch my eyelashes. Oh, really? Um, so I'm so close that I think I've probably got the right FO. I've got an, an FOV equivalent to the Valve Index. So I'm probably going to be a bit underwhelmed by that. Um, also, I, I like the darkness of space. I play a lot of space games. So I'm a bit dubious about LCD screens because they don't have true blacks. The, the pixels never really go off. Um, so we're going to see. But it could be that when it comes, it's going to probably come out with No Man's Sky. It's not really a, a dark game, so it could be that it, I just prefer the Valve Index because it makes like the higher pixel density. Because uh, they've got more subpixels, basically. Uh, whatever, it's, it's complicated, but um, it could be that it, it just is a lot better for No Man's Sky. So I might, I might end up keeping it. I'm and so when's it? Uh, <laughs> when's it launched? It's supposed to ship mid June. Mm. Um, I was in. I bought it the moment it came out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I take this stuff very seriously. It's like my hobby, me and my yeah, wife. Absolutely. And anybody well, just before tuning? I got married. <laughs> before you got married? What do you mean before you got married? Before I got married, I told my wife that she has to understand I spend like a, a thousand minimum on my computer every year. And she has to be happy with that. So she has been. Cool. Well, no, fair yeah. enough. As long as you. Uh, savings and we. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is that part of you know all my worldly goods? Because I must admit, when I got married, you know, I, you know, we did have a few caveats in that, that that you know all my worldly goods except the, the technology. The wire has to remain mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I'm uh, CEO of things that plug in in our household. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think we yeah. probably all fall into that bracket. Okay, <laughs> before we go too much down the uh, <laughs> the virtual reality today show, uh, let's get back on to um, Elite Dangerous, which is obviously what we're here to talk about. But again, if anybody's hanging around for the after show, then uh, yeah, I'll certainly be trying to stream out my Oculus Rift, and I will certainly be tuning in when uh, when Dr. Kai gets his index to see what that's like with Elite Dangerous. Um, cool. What are we doing in-game today, guys? Are we doing any radio network activity? Not today. Um, mostly because the crew is dispersed over a very, very large area. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I thought we might be uh, having a look at the, the Guardian turrets. Are you doing that on, uh, on the live stream or not? Well, um, no, it's uh, some information about um, some Guardian uh, turrets. Actually, there's 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 three turrets that we've only just found out about because basically I've just unlocked them, uh, and that's the the plasma the plasma turrets, uh, and let's see the flechette cannon, and of course the good old flackle cannon. All three um, turrets can only be used in multi crew. Ah, and so I you only... can't actually use them as uh, a self targeting. Yeah. Nope. No, nope, you can only. And the thing that the reason that I'm I'm a bit annoyed is because you know when you go you go to the um the, the tech broker and you yep. say right okay I'll go and unlock that. There's nowhere on that screen that says this is for this is really for multi crew. You only find it out once you've unlocked it. And are you sure it's just not a bug? That's no, the latest update. no, because if you actually go to the outfitting, you will actually see in the description of the outfitting, it says you can these can only be used properly by a gunner. In other words, multi-crew. Ah, so they do tell you, but in a very sort of weird and wonderful, cryptic <coughs> way. Ben? <laughs> yeah, but you, just, you spend so long gathering all the materials to go and unlock the damn thing. <laughs> and then you find out that you don't, you can't use it how you thought you'd be able to use it. And it's only um, it's only now that I've discovered this. So I, I must admit, I was spitting tax last night as my ship got taken apart. <laughs> You're being a wee bit unfair there, Colin, because you can use them just to Yeah, they're, they're, fixed. They're, they're, they're fixed. They're fixed, unless you've got multi-crew in, and then they're turreted. Yeah, well, that, that was the, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. but there you, was you me. You can use it. Oh, yes, I know you can use it. It's just not as advertised yeah. and not the fact that it's I spent hours, hours getting the mats to get this thing. Otherwise, I would have got the fixed one. I would have unlocked the fixed one. But does this not just mean, Colin, you need to go and find some friends? What are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, obviously, with the old turrets... Oh. Yeah, I mean, with the old turrets, they came in before we really had a, you know, a working multi-crew. Maybe this is just Frontier trying to push us towards, you know, using the game mechanics that they, they've brought in and using them properly. Oh, I can, I completely agree. It's just, um, if I had known that um, it was multi-crew only, I wouldn't have spent all my mats on the turrets and would have got the fixed ones instead. Yeah, but if you hadn't done that, mate, we wouldn't have known. You know, you've done us a service. You have done the community a service by busting your balls, putting in the work, and then finding out it's completely useless for you. So yeah. it's basically I've done community service. Thanks you a lot. You have done community service, absolutely. For a crime I never committed. <laughs> um, cool. I mean, I've, how, have you, uh, how have you tested this? Have you got anybody else to just sort of confirm that, uh, you know, have you put people in the turrets? Have you got uh, the multi-crew working and they're working as, uh, as turrets? Or... 
Oh yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine. Uh, me and a, my a friend of mine always uh, end up uh, winging up on a on a Monday night, and um, so we tested out the the turrets after we'd found this out. And yeah, they work absolutely fine uh, in multi crew uh, multi crew gunner mode, which is great. But considering how much you uh, basically put out for them and you can't use them. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. It's too easy a, 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 a too easy a pun to go down. So, um, have we heard anything uh, from Frontier saying they're going to change it to update the you know just the wording on these to uh, to make it more apparent that these are well, multi crew only? Uh, no, because I actually haven't said anything to them. Uh, I haven't reported anything to them yet because basically I only really discovered it yesterday. <laughs> so. Well, I hope you put, it, put in a bug note for it. Oh, I, I, you know, I think I might. <laughs> I think you ought to. Um, speaking about uh, speaking about the uh, the devs, uh, let's catch up on the uh, development news from uh, this week. So, um, the live stream Monday live stream, uh, I believe, Will made a comment about the the ongoing saga with uh, the the cheating in Elite Dangerous and you know, the cheat engine that's been sort of uncovered over the last week or so. Um, basically saying that, you know, they, they do have a team that investigates the the allegation, that they do take it seriously, um, but obviously, you know, they can't publicize what they're doing in order to give the, um, you know, the, the hackers a uh, an insight. So, uh, yeah, they, they're working on it. They, they take it seriously, but they, they can't tell us any more about it. Is that uh, basically the upshot? Basically, yeah. I mean, they were, Will was doing his jumps to Beagle Point, on Monday lunchtime, and as it's a hot button issue, everybody on the live stream was saying, "Tell us what you're doing about cheating." Mm. You know, we've got all this cheating going off, and we all basically okay. said, "We're doing stuff. Can't tell you what. That's all I'm going to say." Um, and then people kept asking, and he, 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 but basically, he can't, they can't say. They've never said what they do. No, they haven't. Um, this has been this has been an issue in the past, and yeah, that's been pretty much the stock answer from yeah. uh, Frontier, hasn't it? And I can understand it, but you know, given how um, I mean, I, I must admit, I didn't look before at the uh, the cheat engine and stuff, but I have seen a few of the uh, the YouTube videos that you know the community have put up about how easy you know this one is. It's got a really nice you know graphical user interface. It's literally just sliders. You know, cheat here, cheat more, uh, cheat on this. Uh, it it does seem to be remarkably yeah, straightforward. And I know you guys have discussed this before, but I was all of the opinion. Well, I either play in solo or I play with my friends in, you know, in a closed group. It doesn't really affect me. But you know, as you guys pointed out, anything that's easy to cheat in terms of the, the background simulation, you know, upsets the you know the rest of the galaxy. Whether you're playing in open or if you're playing in any of the other ones. So yeah, it's good that. that uh, Frontier are taking it seriously, but uh, I have to say, for my own sort of nosiness, I would really quite like to know, uh, you know, what they're doing, how easy it is to shut these things down, and you know, and, and whatnot. Ben, is this something that you've noticed, Doctor Kai, with Distant Worlds Two? Because you know, it looks like maybe not so much with TW Two, because I would like to think we're all honest people and things like that. But I'm sure I've heard of places of Commander names being discovered in places where they couldn't have gotten to before. And has that affected any of the things that you've been looking at, James? Uh, no, this is the first I've heard of anything like that. Is that true? I need to look into that. Uh, there was definitely a story just after we got the Guardian 
boosters, I think it was. And somebody jumped up somewhere. They went up to the top of the galaxy, I think it was. And it was like, you know, we, we went there and they went somewhere that could never have been reached before. And they'd found a commander's name on it already, um, which raised flags, shall we say. That's interesting. No, I have no yeah. idea about that. I do know that um, when we did uh, the Distant Stars expedition, mm. which was uh, about a year before Distant Worlds 2, when we went up to the uh, Cancri cluster, um, some people there cheated. Um, they basically got in touch with Frontier Support and said, oh, can you teleport me back to the bubble? And they gave oh. some excuse, which they did. And then they handed in data. And now pretty much everything inside that cluster has been tagged, probably because yeah. of the, the cheats and stuff as well now. I know I, I tagged the entry star because I used the, um, the neutron star double jumping bug that was in the game. Um, it was never really considered a cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need tags one star in that just to show that it but could be done. trying to frontier, saying, wow, 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 I've messed up. Can you yeah, please you can't get lower than me. that, can you? <laughs> yeah. But people... Go for glory. Well, you can, go to infamy. Yeah. You, you can get lower than that. You can go off and use one of these cheat machines and go and you know, literally go off and... It looks like you can basically type in a system name and jump there. Wow. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, it's the stuff that you can do... If you want to be stupid about it, you could, you could make yourself a godship and blatantly, it, it, there's yes, it's, there's a lot of stuff you can do. If you're stupid and blatant about it, that if you do it, you deserve to get caught. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. if you're more subtle about it, then you could just say, okay, he's got a well-engineered ship. He's just not putting the effort for it. I don't understand the mentality of some people. I, I don't even cheat in like single player games. Like I don't even look at guides. I, I just feel like it ruins the experience and creates it just turns the game it turns my harder like the money that I spent on the game makes it into something pointless. Yeah. You know? I will freely admit to I cheated with materials in I think it was Skyrim or Fallout. One of either Skyrim or Fallout, I can't remember. Where I really I, I hate base building and all that kind of stuff. But there are things that you have to go and build a base. So you're like, oh, give me all the mats, build, give me, build the base, move on. Yeah, that's more like customizing the game to your play style. That's not exactly cheating. That's like <laughs> modding. Yeah, I'll yeah. That. I yeah but it wasn't an online game, was it? No, no I was going to say, though, Ben, the other one that you and I have both um, maybe sort of stretched the, the rules a bit, uh, it was Grand Theft Auto Online, and I got to a point where I had so much money on mm. that that actually there was no interest in me going back and actually playing it anymore. Um, because the fun bit for me, and again, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. The fun, the fun bit for me was actually going around and doing the smuggling missions, and you know, trying Making to get money. enough for the next base, and blah blah blah. And by getting all the cash, um, I literally robbed myself of the enjoyment of the game, and I haven't really played it since I cheated. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it just goes to show how you know you really can shoot yourself in the foot if you're going to side um, sidestep the mechanics of you know of the games. Yeah, I mean, that's... Sorry, go go, go, Dr. Kai. Sorry. Uh, Think about the the type of cheating that it takes to put your name on a star that you're not supposed to be able to reach. The whole point of putting your name on a star somewhere is so that when other people go there, they'll be like, hey, this guy's been there, and you get a kind of like a a fame buzz out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would you want to get that through cheating? Because then the person's going to know that you cheated. They're not going to, like, look up to you. They're not going to... 
they're not going to think nicely of you. So I, I just, where, what's the mentality? What is it? I don't get it. Does it also, I mean, the question is now we're, we're second guessing, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes in. So people that have, um, you know, done the hard yards and gone out there under, you know, normal means, are you going to trust that that is a genuine find? uh, Or are you just going to assume now that everybody's cheating? And so therefore that it, you know, you've automatically lost that sense of sort of fame, you know, regardless, because people will just assume that you've got out there under foul means. Mm Mm-hmm. No, we don't trust each other, do we? Yeah, I, I would like to say that I trust each other. Um, I mean, I know, you know, taking it back to DW2 again, but I've mostly been involved of late, I know that there are people who are, all, who are at Beagle Point when I was there, and they're already back to the bubble. And I'm thinking, how <laughs> the possible. heck are you... Yeah, how are you back at the bubble? I'm like, I'm not even 10,000 light years away from Beagle Point yet. Oh, uh, yeah, no, there are there's someone who um, ta- the people who tags Beagle Point surface tags it. Um, they did it in like less than 24 hours. They they got back oh, in yeah. less than 24 hours. Um, <sighs> and by the way, just because we're on the topic of cheating, I've got my name on Felicity Farsi's planet and Marco Quint's <laughs> planet, and I did not do that through cheating. I did that by logging in the moment the game updated. I'll take this opportunity then to apologise once again to Alec Turner for stealing Pamash Ridge from him. Because I, lo- I logged in and got to a base quicker than he did. Aww. Yeah, well, nice. Nice. I did exactly, exactly the same with, with the system that I've got a, a soft spot for, which is outed, uh, which is um, Cygnus 61, which of course was the first system that was that an exoplanet was discovered in and i was determined to make sure that i was fully scanned i, I got everything in that system so it was just a case so of flying out there are, and, are we just going to have a <laughs> a new podcast where we invite people on to say you know which 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 ones they've actually legitimately uh named <laughs> under the correct means just so we can have a record of it i got the whole of vega <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, well, let's let's just cut that in the uh, cut that off there. Um, let's move on a bit because I want to get, spend some time talking about Distant Worlds Two. As we have Dr. Kai on the show with us, so um, in-game events we have the uh, Interstellar Initiative. Now, again, you know, I've been listening to uh, you know the podcast over the last few weeks, and yeah, this has been trundling on. Um, who wants to take us through the Interstellar Initiative of choosing a better weapon? It's well, that interesting. <laughs> that that <laughs> is mostly um, uh, the anti-Xeno initiative. They've done some uh, analysis on uh, what is needed, if, you know, what is going to be the best weapon in order to combat Thargoids. And they came to the conclusion to, uh, uh, long story short, choose the missiles. So whichever faction is offering the missiles at the end of, uh, of next week's um, whatever's going to happen, um, that's the the side to back because they they they've they've went and run the numbers uh, and say that's the best one to do. Okay, <laughs> what are the other uh, options? Uh, multi cannons, I'm guessing. What other yeah. things can you choose? Yeah, basically, it's multi cannons or missiles. One faction will offer multi cannons. One faction will offer missiles, and whichever faction wins. Um, that will be the uh, uh, the weapon we get. Okay, and you reckon missiles? Uh, the Interstellar Initiative do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Sorry, there is the, a... the Anti-Xeno Initiative. 
as I understand it, there's a slight caveat there in that they also think basically you're being ripped off for high-grade maps because you you've got to go off and get a whole lot of great maps to switch your weapon ammo to the anti-Xeno ammo, shall we say. And they feel it's quite expensive for what you actually get. Yeah, I mean that's that's the main thing about the um, the multi cannons, though, is that they're actually more accurate, I find. Um, but then again, they haven't said whether or not these things will be turreted, and whether or not those turrets will require gunners. <laughs> see what I did there. You're good, Hot nice. Circle, see? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not bitter about this at all, are you? Let's uh, let's crash on before you start <laughs> crying again. Salty, salty tears. Um, the Distant World Two a Mug Club heat sensitive mug there that's been going on. Um, mm -hmm. Doctor Kai, you're probably the best one to uh, to take us through how this is all going and what exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the people that have been involved in the actual event will uh, will know all about it. But for those people that maybe have uh, have been watching from the sideline, what exactly is going on with the mugs? What do you mean? What's going on with them? Uh, they're available to buy, and uh, you get you get to customize it if you want. So customize it in terms of your obviously your name, but also your ship as well, and they're uh, they're heat sensitive, I believe. Yeah, we've got two types of mugs. Um, one is heat sensitive, one's not, and uh, they've got a picture of the galaxy uh, that I I made actually by nice. taking about sixty screenshots of the galaxy map and stitching them together, and then um, inverting the color so it goes on white, and then I put the root on it. And I put the picture of the station we built on it, um, and I put the three main waypoints, Pelene, Beagle Point, and Explorer's Anchorage, on one side. And then on the other side, it says, uh, Commander, your name, um, in the your ship name, uh, arrive safe and well at Beagle Point. No, arrive safe and well um, at this on this date with this percent help. And you can submit all those details when you before you buy it, basically. And I will make um, I will make it like that. And then it's no, that's absolutely cool, and I can see that I'm on the website at the moment. And I can see there's all sorts of uh, yeah things that you can do, and there's also the Distant Worlds Two uh, mug as well, black and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. I do have another question though, because this sure. I mean I'm not going to ask you if you're making a profit out of it, because I really don't care. But the answer is the the question I've got for you is: Is there a possibility to make an extra mug? that says something like, I wish I had gone on the Distant Worlds expedition but was too lazy, or something like that. Because um, I would like one of these mugs, but I obviously didn't go on the uh, expedition. Um, so I think there, need, there needs to be a mug for those people who are happy to shell out the money um, to get these awesome <laughs> mugs with the awesome picture of the galaxy on and the, and the, uh, the community event that they wish they'd gone on but didn't. Um, and you know, maybe get them to, uh, to pay you a little bit more money just for the uh, the privilege of owning the I didn't but wish I had mug. Well, if I were to make a mug like that, I doubt I put any uh, markup on it because it just I could make it happily for you, and then if anyone else wants to buy it, it'll always be available. It is a, a store that prints on demand, so I never heard of that idea. I like it, and we can put eyes together after this and make one like that. Sure. Perfect. Uh, it'll be quite funny to see how many uh, people like me are, there are out there who uh, who have um, <laughs> have serious FOMO about this entire event. Um, and I, I do want one of these heat-sensitive mugs because I think they look bloody awesome. So, no, I think we should uh, definitely produce one of those. Um, see how successful they are. 
How, how about uh, how about uh, I didn't go on Distant Worlds two because I was too busy saving the bubble from the Thargoids, Mark. <laughs> oh, passive aggressive, much? Absolutely. <laughs> At least mine was honest. I was too lazy to get involved. You know. At least you know. Call it as it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I was trying to save the systems from Thargoid invasions. Let the bubble burn. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay um i want to just ask a quick question of dr kai so have you seen that you you kind of offended the whole seals with your mug only yeah, being being that 91 percent well i i love the whole seals but they don't own my whole percentage <laughs> <laughs> however I did respond to them exactly the, the truth about that was that my whole percentage was like a, my, my badge of honor until I got to Beagle Point. At mm -hmm. that point, I definitely wanted a repair, and I, I believe it was uh, Kenny, the, the wholesale, who repaired me. Or, no, it was Dr. Nagy, who, did, who does distant radio. Oh, does distant radio, yeah. So um, I, I was always going to get repaired by them, just not until I arrived at Beagle Point. Unless I was like 1%, then I might ask for some help. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I can, I can, I can respect that. But I think I'm blacklisted by them, so I, I hope I am. Um, <laughs> Denied. Denied. I, I make it all the way back. Let's <laughs> I love uh, the whole seals. I'm so it's a, a matter of pride for me that they they um they did so well and are going to continue on, and it all became out of uh, distant worlds. So yeah, very pleased. Uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, continue with the distant worlds and talk about jump twelve, journey's end, and journey's beginning. Um. The, there's been some superb uh, videos put on about the mass jumps, um, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously it was hosted by Commander Rebecca um, Lansing. It was the one final jump leaving Beagle Point, uh, and you had over 50 commanders uh, in an instance. And for some reason, the servers didn't crash for once. Um, but we've got, and we'll, we'll link them into the show notes. But uh, I've been watching today the, the videos that you have been produced of of all these ships of you know, different shapes and sizes with different engine trails, all jumping out, and that superb you know sound effect that uh, Frontier have put in there. Yeah, it, it has that real sort of um, Battlestar Galactica feel about it. You know, where the, all the whole fleet jump off together. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it's superb to watch in. Um, you know, to watch the video. What was it like to actually be there? I wasn't there, so um, I was. I didn't make all of those, um, but I can tell you now that it's a it's a tradition that started actually with Distant Worlds One. I don't know if it ever happened before Distant Worlds One. It probably did, but Distant Worlds One, uh, the the big mass jump at Sagittarius A Star, which went viral on the internet. We we ended up on page one of Reddit. Uh, I think in the second spot. Um, of Reddit, of r slash all. Um, and it, it's a stunning feeling being part of something like that. And I'm, it was one of the highlights of Distant Worlds 2, and I'm so happy that Rebecca and her team got together and put all those together. Uh, every single jump, there was one, and some people, it was their main event every week. <laughs> so I, it's, it's a feeling like none other. Um, I'm staying at Beagle Point, so I didn't leave with them. I'm probably going um, to leave uh, on, uh, in June when we officially close the doors. Um, and I might, I might do an unofficial mass jump then myself, but I, I don't want to publicize that as anything official. I don't want people to turn around or complain that, you know, I didn't mention it. It might even just be me and the organizers. Anyway, they are amazing things to do and you should always, you should definitely try one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some, just again, a matter of pride for me. No, absolutely. I took, I took part in it. Um, and I think the thing that's amazing about it is there's, 
we all, everyone basically charges their engines first. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there with your frameshift drive on full, ready mm-hmm. to go. And then or everyone else's engines are all on, and you can hear everybody's engines <laughs> going yeah. on. And, the and it's, it's, it's like a sound I've never heard before. Um, it's just such a... I almost want to say it's really rich sound that just kind of sinks into your bones if you've got headphones on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, that final accelerate up and everyone jumping off now. I was lurking behind as a cameraman um, <laughs> getting all of 13 frames a second, which is another story, but... So I was lurking behind, but just watching everybody go was... It, just, it looks so beautiful. Um, and there was a lovely story with one commander, um, oh, Commander Kirkbow, uh, I think it was. was he was in a, uh, Ferd, in a Ferd Lance, and mm-hmm. he'd only just arrived at Beagle Point uh, in time for Rebecca's jump out. Oh, wow. And he'd always, he'd, he'd, he'd always planned, it's a one-way trip. So <laughs> the moment that we did the countdown, he'd been working out how long it takes for him to explode, basically. So he'd done it so that He'd worked out his, his timings so that when we accelerated off, he started accelerating off and then went boom. And that went off. The, he didn't tell anyone in the fleet about it until he was doing it. So there was like slight panic from the fleet, like <laughs> somebody just exploded. Um, and then we realized, oh, it's a deliberately self-destructed. Um, we all sort of re- got relieved and calmed down a bit. Um, <laughs> But I thought it was really nice that he, he he stayed with us right up until the bitter end, and then deliberately suicided back to the bubble. And that was Kickbow, was it? That was Kickbow, yeah. Nice, just <laughs> nice because I'm sure you guys cool story, you know, a, a new uh, a new set of pants at that particular moment in your journey. <laughs> there's been threats of of nasty, horrible people, shall we say, in sneaking into instances where they shouldn't be. And we were being very, very careful, but you never can tell. And that final let's jump is a great opportunity for somebody who wants to be a troll and get their internet evilness horns. It would be a great opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. So and, when uh, some, somebody went boom, we all got oops. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, why don't we um, why don't we uh, crash onto the uh, the main discussion point? Because actually, yeah, as we have got Dr. Kai on on the show, uh, we we asked asked the community to see whether or not uh, they had some questions for him, and we've been gathering questions. And yeah, that might be a good one to start off. How many yeah how many reports did you have of of people trying to troll the uh, the actual distance world too? Yeah, was there many uh, occasions where people actually got into those instances and caused us trouble? It was it was a handful. Um, it was it was very 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 minimal. We managed to. Um, there was a lot of work that went into making sure it didn't happen, and that work severely paid off. It's it's a bit like um, this is just coming to me now, and I don't know if this uh, analogy is correct, but it's a bit like you when you sometimes you you catch wind of what Scotland Yard and MI6 and MI5 are up to, and how many like terrorist attacks they actually stop from happening. Um, and it's all happening behind the scenes. You don't even realize it. Uh, it's been a it's been a little bit like that. There's been a lot of um, 
there's been a lot of hard work gone into making sure that didn't happen and it, it ended up being so minimal and we successfully like downplayed it uh we told people that if it happens to you just you know ignore it contact frontier support and you'll be right back um there was only one at beagle point all the threats that we had of a massive massacre at beagle point didn't come to fruition it's all over now and that didn't happen all we managed to achieve was bring griefers to beagle point and turn them to, into explorers so if anything it's a matter <laughs> again but it's just something i'm proud about um it, it just all went really well um, no, i know um, there's the, according to edsm quite a few commanders lost their ships um we know a few thousand of them just self-destructed because they were bored um the other numbers who knows what happened to them well, I mean, I've actually got uh, yeah, that exact question to uh, to put to you. But let's start off with the with our first question, which was, you know, at, at the beginning of the whole project, you know, at DW two, it was mentioned that you know the expedition would be to to Beagle Point and then back again. Uh, why did you decide to stop at uh, at Beagle Point rather than come back? So I had to ask Aramis about this because that was his part of the planning. And <laughs> what what is with somebody? <laughs> Yeah, no, um, he's, he's the one in charge of the route, among many other things. So I, I've asked him that question before the uh, interview, and I'm going to read it out to you now. So he said, I had planned to scout it out and include it, but then we had a meeting with Frontier, and our focus switched to the outbound route only, as that's the only one Frontier we're going to support us on. But oh, we okay. also had to consider the possibility of burnout too. After such a long journey, people often get burnt out, players and organizers, and often take a break. Asking the organizers to oversee another five-month return trip would have been too much. Besides, other people have had plans of their own expeditions in the works and wanted to pitch them, but we've been holding off while Distant Worlds 2 was ongoing. Um, there are actually return trips from Beagle Point that people are setting up uh, as like third parties themselves. Okay, fair enough. Um, that kind of makes sense. It is quite a quite an ask to uh, have Frontier to support it for the length of time that it was going on. But I and the organizers, yeah. <laughs> Forget the organizers, God. <laughs> Limelight <Hello>. hoggers. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean that's that's another good question though. I mean, how how much of your life, you know, you personally have you given over to uh, to distant worlds over the last five months? How uh, how much work has it been for you as one of the organizers? Oh, not enough. Absolutely not enough. It's I can't possibly complain. I've given loads, and it's been absolutely one hundred percent. A deep, deep privilege. Every second that I spent organizing Distant Worlds, I, I every day I wake up thinking I'm the luckiest man in the world that I, one of my creative ideas that I was able to come up with, in, in conjunction with many other people, of course, um, was so successful. A lot of people have these great ideas and nothing happens. They, they aren't able to get them off the ground. And I didn't do anything different to those people. And my idea got off the ground and it turned into something so beautiful and so amazing. So. Um, no, yeah, definitely, I, did. definitely. I would work during the day on my real job, and then I'd work a lot in the evenings on distant world stuff, um, almost every day. Um, there was some phases where I kind of uh, burnt out a bit, so I took like a, a week or two off. If you followed my YouTube channel, you noticed I didn't cover all the waypoints. That's probably why. Yeah, um, and I, I genuinely wish that I could have been in the game more and playing rather than organizing. It's my biggest regret. If I can have any regrets, again, all I all I really feel is privilege. So. No, cool. Um, obviously, people had uh, different sort of jump capacities and stuff, but do you have uh, an average number of jumps taken from uh, Pelini to, uh, to Beagle Point? Yes, I've got, I've got some um, statistics here that are not uh, for the general public. Um, so what have we got? You want to answer that exact question, the route. <laughs> um, 
Oh wait, no, Aramis answered this. So he estimates that it's about 2,000 jumps if they hit all the waypoints, if they've got the average uh, ship range, jump range, which is uh, 50 light years. Ah, cool. That's so very 2,000 is quite a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. you're not going to do that in an afternoon. No. Um, okay, well, I mean, of the nearly 14,000 people who, who signed up to do the DW2, um, mm-hmm. do you have, you seem to have stats in front of you, so do you have numbers for, you know, who's made it, who's already home, who bailed out? Yeah, how oh, many that, did, yeah. So for that information, we've. I'm in charge, one of my many duties is, in, well, in combination with someone else, Cohen Leth, is the arrivals form. Um, and I can tell you now that we've got about 2,800 people that are signed up as having arrived. Um, and it's growing by about 100 a day. So we're looking at approximately 5,000 by the time we close the doors on June 13th, um, which is about the same. It's a, it's a, uh, we had, we, basically, Distant Worlds 2 has always been a tenfold increase on Distant Worlds 1, mm-hmm. and it will be the same with the arrivals if we make it to 5,000, which means that we did as good a job as last time, which is what I'm hoping for. Um, right. The number of people back in the bubble, I don't have the stats on that. Um, EDSM might... What about how many people bailed out and, and where did they stopped? Did you get any sort of like mass fallouts as people realized that exploring ain't easy? Yeah, we uh, have... Hold on, I had a statistic on that uh, on fleet attrition. We lost about... Let's see if I can find it. Um, something like a few hundred players per thousand. No, if you, th- if you give me a second, ask me another question and I'll look at that while I'm answering the other question. But it's, I've got an exact answer on that based on estimates from EDSM. Okay, what about the, uh, do you have sort of details on how many times the rats were called in, how many rat signals you uh, they had to uh, call out? Yeah, I've got that written over here, um, 156 fuel rat rescues. Don't know where that number's from, but it's there. It's probably from the fuel rats, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? Yeah, I did try to get statistics on the fleet mechanic rescues as well, but I don't have those. Oh, self-destructs, uh, we've got nearly 2,000 self-destructs. And to say what sort of point, I'm just, wonder, I'm just wondering at what point people said sod this for a game of soldiers and going home. Um, I'm just wondering <laughs> no, I if, I, if I would, uh, how long I would have actually stuck it out. I mean, I know I, you know I would absolutely hold my hand up and say that I'm a lo- I am a lazy sod and I'm not sure I have it in me to, uh, to do all the hard work that you guys in Distant Worlds 2 game out. I'm just wondering how long it uh, took people to, to realize what they'd actually signed up for. I would imagine that it would be Sagittarius A star because that was also there was like a pressure to get there and commit to the CG, um, and also it is the halfway point, and also it is extremely far away. So it probably it probably was enough to push people. That was the furthest that a lot of people got pushed to. Um, and I've got the statistic now: fleet attrition of ninety-two commanders per thousand light years. Uh, all these statistics are gathered and collated by Cohen Leth, who has been one of the pillars of the expedition, by the way. So. Cool. Okay, we've just got another question coming in uh, from the uh, the Twitch channel who are watching live. Um, do you happen to have any uh, information on the arrivals per platform? Uh, how many people were obviously from Xbox? How many people from uh, PlayStation got through and, and so on? No, but I can tell you how many people signed up on each, and then I would imagine that the statistics reflect the percentages. So it was about 80% on PC, about 11% on Xbox, and about 10% on PlayStation 4. So if you apply those percentages to the 2,800, I'm sure you'll get a pretty accurate answer. So about 280 probably on Xbox and 280 on PS4, I'd say. Give or take at this point. Okay, what about uh, what about some broken records? Any records broken? Um, it says here that we've seen quite a lot of people uh, go off to uh, Tishim's Reach and beyond. 
I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about people getting any further than they have previously. I know we broke a community goal record, which is the one I'm most proud of. Um, in community goal one, we had 5,300 miners. Wow. I think that's the most that I've ever signed up to a CG. And um, we collected 3 million tons, and it was the first time a CG ever went up to tier 11. Just give me one. It's impressive. Sorry well, we didn't actually, we didn't just break the record of the CG. Sorry, you broke up there. Say that again. I was going to say, you're Sorry. breaking your mic, mate. We, we, broke, up the, we broke up the, the community goal there, not just the, not just the records for it. What do you mean we broke the community goal? I thought, didn't the CG for the second one, that it didn't work for the first couple of days, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, that, so the second one, um, it was, we didn't do as well. Um, I'm assuming it's because um, the first couple of days no one could actually sign up to the CG. There was like a transaction server error. Um, and that explains why we came only within, we came very close to tier 11, but we didn't make it. I'm, I, I worked it out at the time. The number of days that the, the server was down um, compared to the, how much we gathered per day it would have added up to tier 11. So in my mind, we, we, we blew that out of the water as well. And especially given the fact that both of these CGs took place 5,000 and then 26,000 light years out of the bubble. Very proud about that. Well done to all the distant world pilots who took part once again. Yeah, I mean, maybe that, uh, that also sort of brings us on to a question from, uh, from Mr. Wotherspoon uh, around, obviously, the community goal. So yes, you had a few hiccups with the, with the second one, but... You know, you said that Frontier supported you for the five months of the uh, of the journey. Um, what was it like, sort of working with Frontier? Was there sort of any sort of advice you can give people who are looking at setting up a, a similar thing? Any sort of um, any shout outs you've got for Frontiers of uh, what they did well, maybe what they could uh, improve next time? Problem is that whenever you do anything like this with Frontier, you sign a non disclosure agreement. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I uh, I can't I can't go into detail about that. Um, I think Frontier did a stellar job. Um, they really did. Um, they they even took the time to tell me some of the things they were doing behind the scenes, which I didn't necessarily need to know. But it was good that I did know that because it helped me with my planning. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell a, a big company what to do because they're so legally bound by so many different things. I can't tell them that they should improve in this area or that area because for all I know they just literally can't otherwise they'd be breaking some kind of compliance agreement or whatever so no absolutely anyone, let's, if you're planning on doing something big um, uh, you you need to get Frontier on board I'd, I'd be in touch with them as soon as you can and then you need to sell the idea to them because for them to invest man hours you know programmer time dev time which is what they have to do salaried people they have to put aside to work on your, help you and work on your project. They need a the good reason to do it. And we are in the age of capitalism, so they, you know, it has to like, be good for them um, as well as good for you. They, uh, you can't just expect them to do things out of the kindness of their heart, although they do that as well. No, absolutely. Um, so I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know how to answer that question. Uh, no, it's absolutely fine. I don't really I mean, know you're, you're quite right. I mean, from a, from a marketing point of view, you know, they're probably going to want an event that's obviously going to cause a swell in terms of the, yeah, the public relations side of things and also mm -hmm. try and drag people into, uh, you know, attract people into the game, which I mean, I definitely think, you know, Distant Worlds tick both those boxes in terms of uh, yeah. you know, the scope and the, the press it's had and as you can yeah, we see, the amount of community that's all brought in. Yeah, we, we, uh, for Distant Mods 1, we it took a long time for us to convince Frontier to get involved. When they finally saw that we had about 500 signups, that's when they started 
minimally getting involved, like the occasional newsletter, and then eventually the decor, and then they started streaming about it. And then for Disney Mons 2, we already had the reputation, so they were on board with it before it even began. So that's kind of the, the roadmap you need to follow if you want to get Frontier heavily involved with one of your projects. And I wish everyone the best of luck. And obviously, there's a lot I've won out of Frontier, but again, it's all up to them, really, at the end of the day. No, absolutely. Good advice. Um, what about, from your sort of personal view, what, what has been your best story from, uh, from Distant Worlds 2? Your best story, maybe your favorite new, uh, new view that you found? Oh, those are two separate questions. I've got an answer for each. Um, so I think my favorite story is about a commander called Commando Akko Rishtar. Um, who wanted to be a hull seal but found that for some reason he couldn't connect via wings for some reason. So he decided that he's going to do something else. And what was he going to do? He decided that he's going to ask people if they want hut and mugs. And at this <laughs> point, we're already halfway through where Sagittarius A star. So he starts going back to the bubble to pick up hut and mugs um, and bringing them back and then going to Colonia and delivering them there. And then more people ordered, so he went back. And he did that several times. Um, we also had a cool story about a commander, um, Fubaran, Fubaron, um, who collected 300 tons for the second CG in a sidewinder. <laughs> and we had many commanders who collected a lot. One of them even collected over 10,000 tons for the first CG, Commander Buzz Lightyear 63. So those are my favorite stories that came out. Well, some of them anyway. There's so many stories. There's infinite stories. There's more stories than any of us can ever find out. We'll be reading about distant worlds for years to come. I can assure you that. My favorite view is Beagle Point. Um, I'm absolutely stunned by how it's changed and how it looks now. And I'm not just saying, maybe it's because it took a lot to get there. And it's got that, it's got that extra bonus wow factor for me. Um, so it really does have a sort of the, the, you know, the top of the mountain um, sort of moment for you. Yeah. And Aramis, I asked Aramis that question and he said that he loves seeing how the roles and teamwork played out, played out between the CGs with prospectors, miners, scouting, logistics, hull seals, Rhodium Wing Escorts, um, and everyone helping to build Explorers Anchorage. He's um, very grateful to them. And I think my favorite moment in the entire expedition, personally, was um, when I arrived at Explorers Anchorage and saw it for the first time, the, the sense of pride that we built that and it's going to be serving the community f forever, all the way out here and inspiring expeditions out further beyond. No, great. Um, I mean, I, I agree with stories. you. don't know where to begin. It's also, I mean, also the way that you guys sort of tiered up. It, it, it was nice to see the, you know, the various different roles that came into um, into the fleet in terms of, you know, there was people there doing the mining, there was people there doing the repair stuff. There was, you know, there was a whole host of um, different um, jobs that people can do. It kind of leads us on to the next question, which is, you know, where next can we take exploration in Elite Dangerous? You know, do you think it's it's been done now? You know, have we have we tamed the galaxy that Frontier created for us? Um, you know, is there anything left? I saw that question on Twitter. Yeah, this is from the question from David Gillum. So, you know, he's asking, is there anything left to do out there apart from maybe go stamp collecting? So the, you know, the first discovery uh, tags. Um, I mean, obviously, this is more just sort of speculation. How do you feel having done such a lot of exploration? Is it is it where it should be? Is there stuff that you'd like to uh, speculate the frontier should add in? You know, what, what sort of stuff would need to go in in order for you guys to push the button on Distant Worlds 3? Um, well, firstly, to answer the first part of the question, I would never underestimate the creativity of the commanders in the community of 
uh, in the exploration community and the community as a whole. Um, after Distant Worlds 1, we thought, what can beat that? And then we saw so many incredibly creative expeditions, um, like the Small Ships Expedition, the Small Worlds Expedition, the, all, I mean, all kinds of expeditions that basically, it's not always just about, exploration is not always about like necessarily finding cool things. Um, it's, it's more about also the journey, as Distant Worlds showed, I guess. That the journey itself is the best bit. You make friends, you have a great time, you, you form memories that will stay in your mind bright and searing for the rest of your life. And finding new and interesting ways of doing that, who knows what people are going to come up with. Um, whenever a new mechanic comes out that might have absolutely nothing to do with exploration, people will find a way of turning an expedition out of that. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens. Um, me personally, I'm a bit done. Um, I'm a bit bored of the game. <laughs> Um, I, I'm wondering if anything cool is left to find in the codex or if there's going to be a big update where more stuff's going to be added that might like inspire me to come back and go hunting again um, I'm waiting for I'm, I'm waiting for the game to undergo a revolution so I know there's been a leak that we, we might be getting space legs in 2021 um, for me some people are saying that's got nothing to exploration we're so disappointed blah 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 for me that's like wow we're getting space legs that's a new way to explore <laughs> so I'm going to really really um, love that um, that might bring me back. That might even in, um, make me feel inspired to uh, get the ball rolling for Distant Worlds 3. It might, um, but I'd obviously have to get Eremus on board with that, and he's not as excited about it. He's more <laughs> okay. excited about atmospheric landings um, and the potential of opening up other galaxies and things like that. He's, got, he's written a, a thread about it, basically, in the Distant Worlds forum. So if you look at his latest thread there. Um, on his third post, I believe that he's written what he envisions Distant Worlds to be potentially looking like. When we get atmosphere land, well, basically, when Distant Worlds becomes what D David Braben has said that it will one day become, which is a game that involves atmospheric landings, procedural life, um, pr uh, procedural civilizations, and things like that. When when we get to that point, I'm gonna and, and it's in VR. And it's probably going to be about ten years time when VR is going to be ten times better. Um, I'm officially going to check out of reality. <laughs> and Eric Cartman, I'm going to strap myself into my cockpit, um, into my VR headset. I'm going to get a bedpan and um, get fed through a straw, basically. That's where I live for the rest of my life. Nice. Okay, what about the... Uh, we've got a question coming in from uh, from Shan on, on Twitch. What about the uh, the Indiana Jones style of exploration, you know, looking for sites like Raxler? Would that get your... Uh, you know, would that get you back in game? Would that the sort of thing that's going to interest you? Or, as yeah. you say... You're waiting for sort of uh, more exactly. Um, when when Frontier were explaining about how the FSS was going to change the, me the, the mechanics of exploration, they came up with about eight different explorer styles, and that's the truth. There are so many. Um, so a lot of people get annoyed whenever an exploration change is made because they're one of the seven other styles that it affects negatively, and then the ones that are in the one that. So it's the same thing with um, this. There are Indiana Jones style explorers. I would say that I'm less like that, but I'm still like that. If there's genuine clues to finding somewhere like Raxler, I might get involved. As long as it's not too heavily scripted, because I'm not really into scripted stuff. I'm more into procedural stuff. So, um, okay. Would that be a Distant Worlds expedition? Probably not. Okay, Ben, do you want to chip in? I'm just wondering, actually, Dr. Kai, because you were saying about space and how you think that might help your feeling of exploration. Mm -hmm. And I know it's something that astronauts have said that when they step out of the ISS or of the space shuttle or whatever and actually do a proper spacewalk, it feels so different. Even you know, They're still up in zero-G, they're still 
but it just feels more real somehow. Interesting. Even though they're, you know, they're still in a fake environment, but being there in the spacesuit felt more real to them. I'm just wondering if you think we'd feel it, it would feel more real for us doing an EVA from our ships as opposed to being in a ship with our glorious windows and lights everywhere. Yeah. I was more thinking about walking around on planets, but I, I, the other thing that would really excite me about it is being able to walk around inside my ship as well as doing EVAs. Um, it would make me connected to my ship in a much better way. Mm. Um, for me, immersion is, part, is a big part of exploration, and that would just add a lot of immersion. I mean, if all they do is add space legs, but literally do not change anything about the planets, don't give us any reason to get out of our ships, then I, I have to admit it won't keep my attention for more than a few days. But, but if they give us stuff to do down there and explore things, repair things... Maybe, yeah. You know, Maybe. Buttons, well, going off and actually interacting inside of the Guardian Ruins... Exactly, and it it will just kind of help you connect to the planet that you're on. When you find a, a cool planet, being able to land on it and then walk on it and feel its true scale, like yeah, walking towards a mountain instead of bombing towards it at eighty miles an hour in an SRV, and just seeing it just stay the same size and looking up, and especially in VR, can you imagine? It's just going to be incredible. Oh wow. yeah, definitely. And and the the VR thing in terms of immersion, I didn't realize until I actually got my own VR headset. And uh, and docked in one of the uh, the space stations for the first time. Just how big the space stations are, you know. Playing it through a monitor, even a 4K monitor, is nice, but you know mm -hmm. you, you don't have that sense of immersion when you actually put the headset on and you realise that the scope and the scale that Frontier put into this game. Yeah, you feel you feel so small when you dock into the space stations, and that's how you should feel in a game of this sort of uh, of this sort of size. So I'm hoping that yeah, even taking that to the next level and letting you uh, you know use the the normal mechanics of virtual reality and you know teleport around your ship and do various things in in your ship or or sit at the different uh, stations and look around. Yeah, that to me would be so immersive. Just you know, just in the game that we've already got. I mean, we know that the models have been built. You know to actually sort of take that in we know there's more stuff behind the seat of the uh, the pilots and behind the doors and stuff that's already programmed in ready to go um just to be able to see that and walk around yeah the ship, i like, think we don't know how big our ships are Even exactly with those, those videos of the scale thing um which if the person who made that video is listening can you please add things like buildings like houses so we can see how big <laughs> it is compared to like something that we see every day as opposed to Comparing it to a jumbo jet, which we see maybe once a year. Anyway, yeah, so um, you want to see what a, a sidewinder looks like if it's parked on your front lawn? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I want to be able to walk around it with space legs. Can you imagine how big you can? The Beluga line is massive, and you just we can't. From the outside, it looks small. Even in VR, you need to yeah. be able to open that door and look out through that door and see what is behind that door. Uh, in VR, in, in, with space legs, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Ben, just uh, one final thing before. Uh... I have uh, pulled this yeah. bit to a close. Just thinking, actually, have you seen? I think it's Commander Toko So done some images of ships flying around uh, Tower Bridge and things like that. Yeah, I've seen occasional things like that, and those are really cool. Yeah, or, but the I think that's about the closest I've seen. Station, a football stadium and things like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Kai, before we close this section off uh, and move on to Community Corner, uh, anything else that you want to just sort of summarize about your experience of Distant Worlds? Any shout outs you want to give for the people behind the scenes that you know, have really made that event, you know, this massive success that it has been? Yeah, I, 
I just want to always point out um, that whenever I come on and do one of these interviews, um, I'm not, it's not just Dr. Kai speaking. I am here representing a massive, massive team. Most of the people in it put in more work than I did. So I don't want to ever feel like I'm stealing their limelight. Um, uh, I could go through a list of 50 names and I'm not going to do that because then I'll inevitably miss some people out. But I have mentioned them in my, most, in my final live stream at Beagle Point. And um, a big thank you to my team who, um, who just made the expedition happen on so many different fronts. And every day I would, I would just see like this commander, Alistair Hope or Cohen Leth or Sajime Chenchi or, or Eremus or, or Kankara Vantas, just see what they've done that day and how it's improved the expedition exponentially and how it's made the expedition so much more valuable um, and just, just feel so happy and privileged to be working with such people so grateful that they're they're making this all happen if it was just me and if it was just me and Aramis, it would not have been anywhere close to what it, it wouldn't have existed basically it would have just been a, an a to b um so uh, again also a big shout out and a big thank you to all the fourteen thousand people that came even the people that didn't make it um thank you for coming thank you for having such a good time thank you for being amazing sports Thank you for creating a massive corner of the internet where lots of positive and good vibes were able to happen. And uh, for just being the most awesome community I've ever had the privilege of taking, taking any, doing anything with on the internet and in real life. And of course, one final shout out to Frontier and thank you to Live Radio <laughs> for, no, well. um, for all the work you've done, for covering it whenever you did and uh, you know, just generally putting the word out and being our voices in the bubble. So thank you. Well, no, it's been it's been a fantastic experience, and certainly from the from the community side, certainly from the community radio side, it's been fantastic watching you uh, guys head out in the black for five months, and yeah, all the effort and uh, that you guys have put in behind the scenes. So certainly from our side of things in the community, a massive thank you, and uh, yeah, I look forward to Distant Worlds three, and don't say you're not going to do it because we're gonna we're gonna tie you down and, and force you to do it in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when the time is right. So uh, a massive thank you and a massive thank you for uh, for coming on the show. Hopefully you'll you'll stick around with us for the uh, for the rest of the show and maybe even the uh, the after show so you can tell me how to set up my uh, my virtual reality properly. So uh, thank you, Dr. Kai. On behalf of the whole Disney Wars organization team, you're welcome. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, well we'll hit a couple of adverts and then after the adverts we'll come back and we'll go straight into community corner. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus my daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> Shields at 14%. Thanks for the warning. But I can read. Space. These guys are going to gank me. Incoming communication. Open a channel. Feeble pilot. You will surrender your craft to us or face destruction. Well, I could, but there's at least one thing my craft does better than yours. Oh yeah? What's that? Breaking. 
now I've got you. One down, one to go. Alert. Is equal to lock. The commander requires rescue. Somebody else's problem. Incoming communication. Go on then. Keep them coming. That was my brother, you son of a spacer. And his bounty will be very useful. Look, there's two ways this can go. So how about we call the troops so I can pick up his pot? Um, how about no? Alert. Escape pod alarm. A commander requires rescue. Yeah, yeah. They keep each other company until some other sucker comes through. One more bounty in the bank. Good. Updating Elite Federation of Pilots record. Your combat rating has increased to below average. <laughs> well, don't let my official record fool you. Congratulations. Commander Thane. Find out more information about Escape Velocity at laveradio.com forward slash escape velocity. You can back Chris in his Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop. You've flown ships at max speed. You've felt the power of the 30 megawatt mining laser. You've experienced the efficiency of the MB4 mining machine. Wow. But it leaves every hardcore miner with just one question. Why can't I get a shave that's that fast, close and efficient? Introducing the Saracen MB5 shaving drone. It's so smooth. Combining the power of a mining laser with the convenience of a drone. It's like every hair is targeted by a fighter and destroyed. Saracen's patented shaving drone attaches to your face at the start of the day. Leave it to do its work, and when you come back to check, your face is shaved. He's so smooth. It's like I'm mining my face. The Saracen MB5 shaving drone. Now I feel manly. Saracen shaving. Making shaving an unnecessary adventure. And we are back. So during those adverts, unfortunately, Dr. Kai had to uh, sign off, so... uh... A massive thank you for Dr. Kai for joining us on the show and giving us his insights into Distant Worlds 2, uh, what has been a fantastic um, journey for everybody involved. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Community Corner, the Sidewinder by The Pilots. I'm not sure how many people have seen this. We will give you the, the link in the show notes, but this is the a fun uh, seven-minute-long uh, video extolling the virtues of the uh, venerable Sidewinder Basically, the ship you don't have to feel embarrassed getting blown up in. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to, to click on this yet, but it sounds like it's uh, quite a hoot. Who's watched it? I've had the opportunity to watch it, and it's really... It's just... It's a nice, fun video about a ship we, we all kind of race to get out of. And I have to admit, because I went... When... Oh. Whatever, whatever the hell the most recent patch is actually officially called. Be, if we're beyond, beyond, or whatever. Or, uh, whatever we're in. <laughs> um, you know, I went off and I, I reset the Lave Radio account and I was actually flying around in a Sidewinder in the newbie area and it really is I agree exactly with what the guy, what the pilot is saying there in that it's, it's a ship that can do a little bit of everything it's fun it handles so beautifully it sounds so nice and you can do everything that you need to do. You can do a little bit of pew-pew. You can do a little bit of 
mining, of um, bounty hunting, of um, even pirating. I, I did a bit of that just to do all the, cover all the bases and try and get all the missions and things like that in the new area worked out. And it's a surprisingly competent little ship that we all just race to get out of. And obviously, because it does just have those two small hardpoints, even shooting... You know, my, I'm in a python in my alt at the moment, and I can blow up a python, I can blow up a, a cobra or an eagle or something like that in under five seconds. Whereas that was a good two-minute-long fight when I was using gimbaled pulse lasers in Sidewinder. Now, I still won, but I actually had to work for it, which in some ways is more fun, isn't it? It is, but you know, you say that you know it's a ship that we all long to be out of. Yeah, I've been stuck in this fucking orange Sidewinder with you guys sitting <laughs> down on Kickstarter, <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure that's pretty true of everybody. Uh, Sovereign. Um, the Sidewinder, I've, I've had one since, um, I don't, it's not actually the, the one that I started the game in, sadly. Uh, so it does have a, um, it does have a rebuy cost. Um, but I've had the same Sidewinder for, it's the ship I've had longer than any other actually at the moment. Um, I've had it for like four years and, um, I, 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 I gave, I sort of took, took about eight months out from the game, uh, a couple of years ago. And when I came back, I couldn't remember what any of my ships were for. So I sold them all and bought a Sidewinder again. And basically, it was kind of like a soft reset. Um, yeah. So I, I kept my rankings and stuff. I just sold all my gubbins and, and just went back to a Sidewinder. And um, uh, it's, you do give up something. Every time you trade up, you do give up something. There's, because nothing is... The Eagle's probably as maneuverable as a Sidewinder, but it's not as good at anything that's not combat. Um, so the Sidewinder is, in a real sense, the best ship at a very specific thing, which is being really, really, really maneuverable and still being able to broadly have a go at most of the game's features. Um, so it, it's it's kind of most in most games. I feel like the starter, whatever you're given, is in is de- like um, deliberately rubbish. But the Sidewinder is measurably better at at a specific thing than than pretty much any other ship in the game, which is quite unusual. Um, I love it, basically. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd go along with most of that. I've just been thinking, actually, that you've had this this ship from, you know, and I'm sure I've got a few ships that I, I bought when we uh, when we first kicked off the game. Um, I might be talking out of my arse here. I normally am. But wasn't there a thing originally where the ships were going to um, deteriorate, the, the bodywork and everything else would deteriorate, depending on the, the length of time you had them? Now, I always go in and do you know, do up my paint work at the same time as I use the advanced maintenance. Um, is that mechanic in-game, whereas if I didn't touch up the paintwork, it would really scuff and dent and you know, yes. have laser scorch marks and stuff? Ah, it's brilliant. Yes, you do. Um, uh, it, it, uh, the paint degrades as a function of time spent in supercruise, and um, it, it's not a series of... It's not a series of snapshots that, that progresses every hour spent in supercruise or whatever um people have people have watched it um in um using um sped up footage and it actually um the the, the paint degradation increases fleck by fleck um <laughs> like so, you know um so just as, as you watch basically so it, it's really cool um and if you spend a lot of time out 
um, uh, if you do a long trip, you come back, you, your ship looks like an old banger. It's brilliant. Okay, in which case, can I ask the uh, the guys out there listening to this, uh, if you have been purposefully going out there and not uh, doing your 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 touch up and your paint work, and and one of the uh, the early um, guys on the show, uh, wonderful uh, John Stabler, you know, he was all about the turtle wax. He was all about making <laughs> sure that his uh, his ship was pristine and uh, and perfect. So maybe this is not going out to him, but nice to give him a shout out anyway. Um, if you have you know the most beat up dilapidated scuffed marked you know paint falling off ship out there in the verse uh take a screenshot of it and send it to info at laveradio.com because i would love to to get a a gallery a rogues gallery of those people that have not been looking after the paintwork on their ship and see uh and see exactly how this mechanic works uh actually that would that might be a good idea we could actually run a competition we still have a couple of paint packs to give away uh, oh, the irony! The irony. <laughs> so, how about if they if they send if people send in their their scuffed um, uh, their their scuffed photos, if you like, and the scrummiest one, we'll reward with a a set of paint packs. Okay, well let's let's take it to a little bit. You know, let's take it to the next level of that. Let's get them to send in the photo. We need the name of the ship. We need to know what experience it's been going in in order to be able to actually come out that state. So, what have they been doing with it? What life has it had? I want to know the story of these ships and how they ended up in the in the poor dilapidated state that they're actually in. So, you know, the best ship and also the best story that goes with how it got into that condition uh, wins you a paint pack, which you may or may not choose to put on the uh, on the poor vessel. I mean, the other thing to... Oh, sorry, Ben. You first. Yeah. If you actually go and have a... You'll see my <laughs> ship, which has... With all the... How beaten up, I am flying over to Eagle Point. So, it's... I, I still have some paint there, but a lot less than I did. That's impressive. Is there a is there a point where it will actually just be back to the bare metalwork, or is there always going to be some level of? Uh, I think there's always on there? some flakes in there, but yeah, you you need to get your turtle wax out. Yeah, don't show that to John Stabler. He will be horrified. <laughs> he will be uh, he will be out. He'll be the first thing he's going to do with space legs is EVA and turtle wax that beauty back to where it should be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So my decals, <laughs> I can't even see my decals now. I can see my ship name just, um, but not. I think I've got the Lavecon sh- um, decal he- here. I think it is, and you just can't see any of that. Here it is. Here it was. I think is yeah. more apt. No, cool. Okay, well, it, no, it just goes to show that I should maybe have uh, a bit more pride in my uh, my battered ship and stop, uh, you know, spending the uh, the ten credits or whatever it is to get it uh, resprayed every time I uh, do my advanced maintenance and stuff, and do my ship integrity. Yeah, well, that that's the main thing, isn't it? You've got to remember the ship the ship integrity, because um, basically, if you get attacked with your ship integrity way down, you are likely to basically crumple. Is there? I mean, I'm, I'm not in the menu, but is there not a sort of do all button? Um, there is, but I've always found do that paint? it doesn't actually. I don't think it it does paint, no. and I don't think it does ship integrity either. Do repair all does not include either integrity or paint. Fine. Okay. So, uh, so I've actively been choosing to uh, the turtle wax my my machines. That, that's fine. Uh, John Stabler would be proud of me. So fine. <laughs> I will. I will now. Cease and desist, and see what sort of state these ships can uh, can uh, get into. 
Right, next point we've got. We've got a question, and I'm not sure if he's taking the piss or not. I have a feeling he might be. From Commander Mert, Mert? M-Y-R-T, of the Diamond Frogs, uh, who sad to learn last week that we don't get letters sent in. And it's true, we don't really get many letters sent in. So he suggested that maybe, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> The discussions that we had on future console releases, you know, it was both insightful and pleasant. So here's my request. He said he'd like to hear our collective thoughts on historical snapshots uh, periodically, maybe an occasional segment on the proverbial ghosts of Christmas past, basically suggesting that, you know, we've, we've been doing this podcast since the Kickstarter. Maybe it'd be nice to have a section, you know, three years ago, we got this particular upgrade and what did it do and how has it changed stuff? I maybe even go back to the early days of the um, of the oh god, what was the forum called? What you mean, Kickstarter? No, the the forum, the um, the forum where we're supposed to be discussing stuff. Oh, uh, DDF. Yeah, the DDF. You know, when oh, okay. uh, some of the stuff that uh, came through the DDF and what uh, what the suggestions were and how many of those have actually made it into the game five years later and Ooh. and so on and so forth. It's, I think it's. Uh, I think it's quite a nice, uh, nice idea. Maybe we could use it as one of the main topics in a in a future show. So uh, yeah, um, we've certainly been around long enough. And yeah, if you don't want to wait for that, then obviously we've got the entire back catalogue of these shows. They're on to two hundred and forty-five. But if you go back, you know, maybe go back in uh, in jumps of twenty-five and see what uh, what we were talking about uh, way back when. But uh, it's a nice idea. So thank you to uh, uh, Commander Mert from the Diamond Frogs for suggesting it, and we will certainly uh, look into it. Um, Paul Wattmeyer from Facebook says, simple question, what's with the DBX, the Diamondbacks Explorer that was stolen? Was it the one that we did apply by a button and then zoomed off quicker than it should? And is it linked to the secret new hyperdrive technology that Sirius has got from buying hyper technologies? Uh, I'm holding my hands up. I haven't the faintest idea what he's talking about. No, I'll have to pass on that one. Uh, uh, I remember what this is. Oh, um, the DBX was a reference to, uh, it wasn't Hutton Orbital, it was Obsidian Orbital Maya. And there was a really sort of intriguing Galnet article uh, a couple of years ago in which uh, a Diamondback Explorer was spotted sort of flying at a funny at a funny angle. And, um, uh, and, and it had a quote from somebody saying like, oh, it just, um, you know, it was, it was like flying at right angles and then disappeared off seemingly without inertia or, or something like that. And um, it looked like uh, at the time it was it was sort of it was a time of much speculation about what form the aliens would take, and there was a lot of speculation over whether it was like an AI or or whether it was simply Frontier trying to explain away a bug in a humorous way. And um, and there was never any mention of it again, and it and it sank without a stone. And Galnet is full of these kind of red herring sort of dead leads of something will be written about and then a couple of years will pass and you never hear about it again and it, and dis, despite it being really interesting and um the the recent thing about the diamondback explorer is there was a the last couple of weeks there have been i think now three articles in galnet about a um about a pilots federation member's ship being stolen from a starport and it's not a it's not a real pilots federation member it's not a player it's a it's a it's frontier have created one but apparently this pilot had their starship stolen by a like a hangar technician and then it's sort of gone into a bit of that and, and i think people originally were like oh maybe this is because the ship in question was a diamondback explorer so i think some people were thinking that perhaps this was the um the the long forgotten 
Diamondback Ex Explorer story resurfacing. But um, it actually looks like it's the the last one was a couple of days ago, possibly yesterday, uh, and it and it's and it, and um, and it said uh, that the the guy who had been fingered for the for the theft was uh, his journals were found, and he was talking about um, having seen uh, seen a, a strange place in the galaxy, which was radiant, not dark, and full of um, full of sentient beings that spoke to him. Um, which is actually it's much more reminiscent of the Halsey storyline than it is of the um, the weird alien DBX story from a couple of years ago. So, um, so yeah, and that's it. We're, there's not much more to say at the moment until it resolves. But it looks like at the moment that the um, that the the current storyline about the stolen DBX is another angle on the mysterious ongoing story of who this who these strange beings are, who Halsey called the hidden caretakers of our galaxy who are um, tiny yet gargantuan, fleeting yet eternal. Um, so we'll have to see how it, um, what, how it develops over the next couple of weeks, but we could be seeing something really fascinating. Um, and some of the, some of the more, um, I think the theory that I uh, prefer is that, the, um, that these beings are um, the Guardian's AI, because all we know about the Guardian's AI is that they killed all the Guardians, and then that's it, and then, and then it just disappeared. So presumably it's still out there. Um, and if it was non-corporeal it could take the form of some sort of higher intelligence uh, but anyway that's all we know and it's and it's uh, it's wild speculation at the moment love wild speculation um cool so we'll watch this space and we'll see what uh, what uh, pans out from that one uh colin you have a ghost giraffe story yes the um the guys that do um the most famous video is Star Cops, but uh, Ghost Giraffe uh, and Mars have been doing uh, some comparisons with the latest information they've got from Saturn, and they've spent two months researching and shooting side-by-side -side comparisons, comparisons of Saturn in-game versus Saturn in real life. Uh, and I must admit, they were very pleasantly surprised by how accurate the game is to the actual real life images. It 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 has to be, um, it has to be seen to be believed how, how well Frontier have managed to do to uh, to, to render Saturn itself. I mean, obviously, it's not uh, as good as sort of Cassini and uh, the photos that we've got from the probes, but <laughs> it's not as good as real Saturn. <laughs> no, it's not as good as real Saturn. <laughs> but it's it's surprisingly accurate for. Um, uh, uh, for a computer game, and they're, they're very that's, happy. That's interesting, Colin. What about um, how accurate is their representation of Uranus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've missed you, Foz. <laughs> but then we'll reload. <laughs> uh, ben, what about the pillars of Saturn? So, one of the things I never realized was the shepherd moons between Saturn's rings cause gravitational eddies that basically put waves into Saturn's rings and can make them rise up and rise down. And it, it just looked amazing. And I, I've never, I didn't even realize that existed. Uh, and obviously it's not in game, but I just, when I saw that in his video, I just, it's mind blowing. Yeah, in fairness, I'd never heard of anything like that before. So, uh, no, cool. And that's actually in-game as well? That's not in-game, sadly, no. 
Uh, uh, and a lot of the the Shepherd Moons aren't in game either. That'll be the next update. I think it would be nice to see them. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to get certainly our own solar system as uh, as accurate as we can possibly make it. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So uh, let's. Anybody got anything else for Community Corner, or can we uh, jump out? Jump out. Jump onto the shoutouts. <laughs> no. Okay. Grand. Uh, ben, looks like you've got a shout out here from uh, Commander Ooh, Olos Na, um, who was saying, you know, thank you very much to Ben uh, and Lave Radio for uh, keeping them entertained on the uh, <laughs> on the stream. Was that the, the lunchtime stream or was that on the uh, Distant Worlds 2 expedition? I can't figure that out. He's he, he was on the lunchtime stream. He was thanking us for keeping him entertained. <laughs> whilst he's flying off to DW2. Ah, I got you. Okay, perfect. And uh, yes, I thought you... it was nice giving him, a, him reciprocating the fa- the shout out. Shouting him, shouting you, shouting exactly. Out. Absolutely fine. And <laughs> you've been checking out iTunes. I must admit, I I got a, a notification <laughs> from iTunes as well. And uh, yeah, we do need to blow the uh, the dust off the the old iTunes reviews. Um, we have got an absolutely stack of uh, five star reviews uh, for Lave Radio, which is fantastic. Uh, however, the most recent one was from 2017. So if anybody out there is still using iTunes for their podcasts, then uh, yeah, feel free to uh, to let us know by leaving us a nice review, and that will hopefully bump us back up the uh, charts on the iTunes review. We used to plug it quite a lot when we first started, but I must admit uh, we, we haven't really been plugging it much. But uh, yeah, make us laugh. Go and give us a, a review on uh, on iTunes. We will get notified if a new one comes up. And sometimes we also uh, quite like to change the, the country that we're supposedly dialing in from in order to see all the different reviews from... Uh, the different countries around the world and we've got quite a few there we've got quite a few from uh, australia from america canada i think we've even got one from uh, from israel as well so uh, if you're in a far-flung land then again just uh, drop us a review let us know you've done it by sending an email to info at lay radio and we will log into your country on itunes and uh, and pick up that review any reviews would be uh, great any sort of uh, constructive criticism would be uh, welcomed anything that you like about the show anything else that you'd like to see put onto the show uh, drop us a line and let us know. Uh, LaveCon, I am so looking forward to LaveCon. It cannot come soon enough, but it is going to be on the 5th to the 7th of July at the Sedgebrook Hall Hotel in Northampton. It's sponsored by those wonderful people, SpiderMind Games. Um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, they are broadcasting, as always, on Thursdays from 8.30, and you can check them out at tv.forthemug.com or radio.forthemug.com in-game commanders i have seen there's quite a few people on twitch probably actually too many to uh to shout out but um if you want to check out the the crew quarters they're going to be put in the show notes but you can get to to kurgles dr toxic phoenix to fire psycho cows commander thane and of course we will have do we have galnet news after the show guys we do indeed actually that should be norman but i'm assuming we do don't we norman Yep. Calling Commander Ventura. <laughs> Someone kick the monkey in the back. Uh, great stuff. Okay, I mean, we will be, as I say, we will be hanging around a little bit for those people that haven't fallen asleep on the show uh, to do an after after show uh, open mic. So if you want to see what the Oculus Rift S looks like, I'm going to try and give that a go. But apart from that, 
Uh, that's it for another episode of Lay Radio. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info at laveradio.com, facebook.com forward slash laveradio. We are at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io forward slash laveradio. And if you want to come and see us live, we are obviously recording the show on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and we stream out at laveradio.com forward slash live or on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio. A massive thank you to uh, Dr. James, Dr. Kai, uh, for coming on to the show. A massive thank you to to Ben, Mr. Aidlevice, to... Uh, Phoenix to Fire, Colin to Ford. A massive thank you to uh, Severine for coming on, and of course to our tech monkey who works hard behind the scenes, Commander Ventura. And that's it for another episode of Lay Radio. Until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Galnet News Digest, 21st of May, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, weaponized Kincaid worries Alioth. Segnen threatens Zende Monopoly. Ship thief as nutty as Halsey the Hippie. Weaponized Kincaid worries Alioth. Alliance President Gibson Kincaid, whose call for the executive power to declare war has been causing a constitutional crisis, has been granted direct command of the Zeance fleet of the Alliance Defence Force. President Kincaid was previously Governor of Zeance and remains a close personal friend of Admiral Frederick Yamamoto of the Zeance fleet. 
Yamamoto was instrumental in arranging Kincaid's command of the fleet, an unprecedented arrangement for the highly decentralised Alliance fleet. Each Alliance system maintains an autonomous fleet and contributes to the defence of the Alliance as a whole cooperatively, with the Central Council of Admirals coordinating the effort but not having direct control. The move has been strongly condemned by other members of the Council of Admirals, with Admiral Rachel Ziegler denouncing it as close to treason. President Kincaid is being investigated for illegal campaign funding for his presidential campaign last year, something that is believed to have been coordinated through the Bank of Zayons. With direct access to a large fleet, there are concerns that he may now be in a position to use military muscle to challenge Prime Minister Mahan. Segnen threatens Zende Monopoly. Rival corporation Segnen Exchange plans to build an outpost near the recently established Zende Partners Guardian Tech Hub in Sinuf EN-H D11-96, raising the prospect of conflict in the quest to be the first to deliver new Guardian technology. Zende Partners is in the middle of a drive to set up a new centre of excellence and has ambitions to deliver anti-Xeno weaponry that can double as a deterrent to pirates, that will not be experimental, that will not have a limit to the number of weapons that can be equipped, and that can be engineered. This is clearly a development that will be in high demand if it can be delivered, and it seems that Segnin Exchange might like a piece of the vast profits that can be made from licensing such new weaponry. However, there remains some hope that the two corporations can work together to deliver the best possible outcome for humankind. Because after all, working together is human nature, isn't it? Ship thief as nutty as Halsey the hippie. Jan Romero, the celebrated thief of a diamond-back explorer from Vega, had an experience similar to the out-of-body, out-of-mind experiences of ex-federal president Jasmina Halsey, according to security chief Misaki Sanders. The security service has managed to partially recover a series of deleted journal entries Romero made shortly before he made off in his ship. It appears that strange visions came to Romero in his dreams. Among his revelations, he reports seeing an area of space, not black but radiant, glowing like heaven, and being called, being coaxed to travel, to meet voices that didn't come from anything with a body. This sounds suspiciously like the Halsey hallucinations. After being rescued from her escape pod following the unexplained disintegration of Starship One, on the 20th of September 3302, Halsey described out-of-body experiences. She believed she had visited a place of extraordinary beauty, a paradise, somewhere truly wonderful and very real. 
Halsey was all for setting out to find this imaginary place, but eventually settled down to be Prime Minister Mahan's political adviser instead. Is Gan Ramiro suffering from Halsey's Box of Frogs syndrome? Has he gone searching for Halsey's paradise? Or has he simply been tricked into stealing a ship by pranksters? We'll only find out when he's found alive, dead, or assimilated into the Guardian's artificial intelligence network. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>